We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus, at least up front today, but joining me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I'm excited, fired up. I don't know, dude, just happy to announce that rejoining us after way too long, the former Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, the current host of the Locked On Heat, the All You Can Heat, and the Locked On NBA podcast, a fellow member of legendary wedding table number nine, and a longtime <laughs> friend of this podcast who recently busted me out for telling more than one person they are my favorite guest on this show, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? So not your favorite guest then? No, you are my favorite. You, oh, okay. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever told you that before, mm -hmm. uh, but and the only person I feel that way about it. So, you right. know, I just, just bask in that because it means a lot. Yeah, Definitely I would never basking. tell that to anybody else. That's the most important thing I could say. I believe you. How you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. Your microphone doesn't look like it's plugged in. It's weird, but I know it is. It's it's, kinda, it's not an actual microphone. This is just a prop I put up here. This is cardboard, to tell you the truth. But I mean, don't you worry about that, dude. Don't don't start poking holes in our set design here. It's uh, it's very complicated stuff. No, you get the uh, exposed brick situation. It's very uh, very classy. I'll give you an unsolicited story here. So if you look over my what left, sh no, right shoulder, you got that Muhammad Ali photo that you can kind of see. And we did a mock jury uh, a while back. You bring in this, it's like a focus group. You pay people to come and listen to your bullshit. And the idea is that you give a snapshot of your case and then find out like, is it good or bad? So I do this fucking, you know, this opening statement to them. I feel so important. It's going to be incredible. Then they go to talk about it. And I am like a fly on the wall. They don't know that you're in the room. They probably do, but they can't see you and you're listening in. And all they talked about was what kind of a pompous piece of shit would have a Muhammad Ali poster on his wall. And it was just like, so I have a really complicated relationship with this fucking this back wall and this photo now, dude. Like, I'm not sure what to do. It really screwed me now over. Now you have to keep so. it. Now you have to keep it. Out of spite, <laughs> yeah, at least. They also commented on my fake microphone and why I was using it, but I, you know, I didn't want to jump into that. What do they know? Boys. Let's talk Warriors. And we're going to pick up where we left off on our last podcast. So, Wes, we dusted off a uh, an oldie but goodie segment, the over-under segment. So, just like the bet... I'm going to give you a concept, attach a number to the concept, and then you tell me if it's going to be over or under. We'll start with kind of an exciting one. Warriors regular season wins. So I'm stealing this number from Vegas, 48.5. So next year, what do you think, Wes? Over wow. or under 48.5 wins for wow. the Warriors? That's a great number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if it helps, they won 44 last year. I really don't know. I'm they won 44 last year where it felt like everything that could go wrong went wrong other than Steph, like having the season-ending broken hand injury. Uh, I don't know. I think the West is really hard. I'm going to go under. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I really don't know how many teams are going to win 50 games in the West next year. I don't disagree, but I'll, I'll save my analysis for a moment. Maxine, where are you? Well, that's just heartbreaking, you know? Wes went through the whole, like, really thought about it. If you'd been like, oh, under, sure, right away, then I'd feel a little bit better about, you know, it's like, ah, oh, like, Wes doesn't really think hard about it. But, like, that was so right. thoughtful that now I'm just sort of deflated, you know. <laughs> and and me and my homerism, of course, I want to say the over, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, 44 wins. That was last year. Like, this team is going to be way better. Jordan Poole's um, animosity in the locker, the animosity that Jordan Poole created in being the person who received a punch. I'm not necessarily 
saying that he's the reason for the animosity in and of himself, that's gone. You know, this team should have more chemistry amongst themselves. But uh, I don't know, Wes. I'm, I'm just kind of bummed out now. My I think favorite. it's going to work. I think I think it I, like the thing with this team is I there's chemistry, but there's not chemistry. Like the Chris Paul thing is the biggest wrench that this team's ever been thrown into, like into the gears, basically since Steve Kerr took over. And I and I say that thinking it's going to work. I just think it's going to take a while. I also don't think this team has like any depth at all. And in the regular season, depth kind of wins you games. Where in the playoffs, it matters a lot less. Um, so that's sort of where I'm coming from. Plus. You've got teams like Phoenix, Denver. I think Memphis is still going to be really good, even though Jaws out for 25 games. I think Sacramento is going to win a bunch of regular season games. I think Minnesota could win a bunch of regular season games. I'm actually pretty high on them. So you just got a lot of wins eaten up in the Western Conference by teams that really want to win. And I think the Warriors really want to win, but not as bad as like those teams really want to win regular season games. And I think it's those last two words that mean the most. A couple of mental notes here. Mental note number one. I love the phrase, the animosity JP created by receiving a punch. I'm not <laughs> sure. I've never, you know, I've just never heard that. You know, it's like the functional equivalent of like, why did you hit my fist with your face, dude? Like that's hella fucking inappropriate from you. Mental note number two, Maxine, never ask Wes to elaborate on a negative fucking response. We got away early on with his under as kind of a throwaway. Like, I'm not really sure who knows under. And then, then we had to hear him dig. Don't give him those opportunities, man. You know, my he's going to. He's going to tee off. Mr. Negative. Um, all right, me. so I'll give you an optimistic slant on a negative response, all right? I also take the under, but I believe in the Warriors next year. So it's not just the depth of the West. Wes is right about that. It's exactly what he said about how much they will value the regular season wins. And I think the Warriors are going into next year with kind of an unset roster. We know who's playing, but we're not sure what the mix is going to be or how the depth is going to shake out. And I think we're going to see what we always see in those scenarios with Kerr. It's going to fuck around. He's going to, you know, he's going to develop some different recipes and figure out what works and what doesn't. And it's because they don't really care about, you know, how many regular season wins they wrap up. So I think it'll be more than last year, 44 last year. I take the over on that, but I take the under at 48.5, but it's the perfect transition to our next number. So the next number is three and a half. Here's the concept. How many times will Wes Goldberg join this show and say something that makes Golden State Warrior fans furious? I take the over. I take the over today. I mean, I think we're already at one, but I I take the over. But Wes, let's bring it to you, dude, because you, you, you're always honest in all these takes. What do you think? Are we looking at like a tumultuous season with you? Do you think it'll be generally optimistic? All season? Three and a half? A whole three and a half, the whole year. Bang the over on that. Come on. <laughs> That's like saying the Warriors are going to, that's like putting the Warriors over under at like 20 games. That's like (laughs) 20 wins. Like, come on. (laughs) What would have been a better number? Because I struggled on this one. Figuring out the numbers are always hard. And Vegas didn't have a number for me on this. You you probably have me on what? Every six weeks or so, probably. Maybe a little more. Sure. Yeah, if it's one, if it's even just if you have me on four times and I say one thing over the course of however long these show, 45, 60 minutes, like, yeah, that's that's right there. We already cleared it. So, yeah, for sure. Hard over. What, um, could, sorry, Wes, would you mind elaborating on that take for a little while? I just, I didn't yeah, totally understand. Uh, I think the Warriors suck. <laughs> God damn it, Maxine. I mean, we just talked about this. You piece of shit. Just right now, we just talked about it. Uh, Maxine, keep the mic, but I'm going to give you a different number. Here's the number. 50. Point five. Question, 
highest scoring game for Steph during this upcoming regular season. To give you a little bit of context, last year's highest scoring game for him was 50, which is why I added the point five Over or under? Wow. I, that's fascinating. I, again, will show a little bit of my homerism here, expecting him to come into the season in incredible shape again. I mean, this is one of the hallmarks of who he is as an athlete um, and as a basketball player. You know, he shows up ready to compete. He's the type of person, especially if he's going to slow down in terms of being able to run up and down the court, uh, he's going to make up for it and being able to shoot the ball. Um, you know, hopefully so long as his legs aren't too exhausted so they stay under him. The way he's talking, the way he's coming up with these, you know, undefeated campaigns, um, or sorry, excuse me, underrated campaign, you get the sense that, you know, he really wants to make a splash this upcoming season. I'm going to take the over. I think he has a chance to really do something big here, and I think he really wants to make a statement this season. Know that I'm leaning heavily into Steph because we have a member of Steph's documentary on this show. Wes's voice is featured on the underrated documentary, um, which is something I was both bitter and jealous and really impressed by, dude. Uh, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, Still haven't so seen let's it. Turn to, uh, you haven't seen it? No. I didn't know I was in it. And the, everybody started messaging me like this week. And they were like, hey, dude, like you're in this thing. And I was like, what thing? What is it on? Apple? Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, um, so I was one of the people who messaged Wes about that. And yeah. Maxine, a little side story for you and I, I didn't know he hadn't seen it. And so in, I found out that he was in it from uh, well, by watching it. And I had somebody else text me about it. And before that happened, I had spent time with Wes at that wedding at Wade and Temple Mount. And we spoke about Steph. And I was giving Wes the most credit on earth for being a part of that documentary and then not mentioning it. If I was a part of that shit, everyone in that wedding would have, I would have had a fucking shirt that had a picture of me in the documentary for no reason at a wedding. Like I'm not above that at all. There's not, I'm not in it though. Like my face isn't in it. You just said my voice, right? Yeah, voice. Okay. Oh yeah. But don't put it past Bram to nonetheless superimpose a picture of himself in the documentary. <laughs> it would have just been my quote. And then like a little picture, like of my face here. And then like a right. voice bubble, you know, like boom. Right. And then Michael in the back, Jordan, Michael Scott kind of deal. Yeah. hundred percent. In the back, it would have like had a list of credits of just me, you know, most important right. member of underrated, whatever, dude, I'm not a good person, but I use that as a backdrop to the question over under Wes. What do you think? Uh, forgot 50. the question. Right? Oh, okay. 50.5 points. Highest score. All right. So he's only exceeded. I should only he's, he has exceeded 50 points nine times in his career. It's pretty good. The, the last time he did it, this is crazy. The last time he did it was the 2021 season. All right. He did it three times in four months. Jesus. <laughs> but he hasn't since then. He's had 50. To your point, he had 50 last year, the year before that. Um, that 2021 season for Steph was so underrated, dude. But uh, he also had 50 in the 2021 season. That's why I just said that. But um, so it's been what? He's been like around 50, so it's hard to say it's been like a drought. Yep. But he hasn't had an over 50 game in a couple of years. I'm going to go over, man. I'm going to go over on that. Yeah. I just... How many 70-point games do we get this year? Just in, not from Steph, but like in general. Like we got two of them last year, you know? Like I'm almost surprised that one of them wasn't Steph. And I feel like it just... We're, we're almost like just due for a... Like what his career high is 59, yep. 62. His career high is 62. He should, I think he's going to break that. I'll go even higher. We have a question down the line 
that literally contemplated his career, you know, the, the highest number he had. And I like and trust you so much. I did research on that. On, on literally right here, I'm pointing to where it says 62. And when you asked me 59, I just blindly said yes, which makes me hate you a little bit. And you set me up for immediate failure. Uh, <laughs> I will take the over as well. We did a whole segment on 30 points per game average. Um, mm-hmm. And I explained then why I thought he's capable of doing that this year. So I won't bore you guys again, but I do think he gets above the over. And it actually transitions to a clip we found. Maxime, run that uh, segment from PG's podcast. This is a series of, uh, it's, it's, I think, Kenyon Martin, definitely Paul George, and they're talking about times they've been torched by Steph Curry, either personally or watched Steph get hot. Steph went crazy mm-hmm. when I was with the Knicks on us. <laughs> Listen, yo. Oh, yeah. I just got, I was over there like, yo. It's my <laughs> this, first time seeing him live. Yeah, this different. I'm a, like, yo, this is, he, man, he, he in and out behind the back in front of our bench, man, and let that thing scream. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah. It, it is a spectacle, man, to see him do that from that range, the difficulty of shots. Like, it, yeah. it, it is. Like, even when you're playing against him, it's oh like, golly. Like, we was talking about it because we played them and he went off for 50 against us this season. But I thought I was going to lock him up that game. Like, <laughs> I did, that was my assignment. You got Steph. Bet. Like, put I'm feeling good. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to put some length on him. I'm going you know, to get over those put screens. Ooh, don't worry about yeah. it. Like, you ain't got to come off. I'm, I'm going to get over those screens. Man, it was like, I think, I think whatever our game plan was, like, we were scratching that shit by like middle of the first quarter. Like, all right, P, you're not going to guard him like this. <laughs> you're going to guard him like yeah. that now because we can't, like, we don't got nothing for this. He gave us 42. And put y'all to bed, yeah, too. Yeah, we was in Houston and his first half was shitty. Yeah. And we then, like, oh, we like, oh, we like, oh, he's he taking his night off. on him. Nah, yeah. <laughs> Came in out of the second half. I had like 40 in the second half. Yeah. I'm like, shit. Game winner. Yeah. Yeah. I go home. I maybe like those players like way more than I thought I was going to, that they're willing to take those losses, right? Um, and we know how great Steph is. So I'm going to ask a follow-up question that goes the other direction. Wes, Maxine, whoever wants to take it first, what's the worst loss you've ever taken in a sporting event? Sometime you just got your ass kicked and it, uh, it resonated with you. Oh. And to give you some time to think, I'll go first here. Montera Junior High, right? So that's where I went to went to junior high. And at that time, they had what felt like the most important basketball tournament ever. They called it the Guy Wright Tournament. There was probably like eight teams. It probably meant nothing. But at that age, I remember feeling like, oh my God, we made the Guy Wright. This is incredible. And I'm, I'm either eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, I think eighth grade. And we go out there, we win our first game, and I've never felt more successful. And then we go into the second game. And I, you know, I've already etched our name in the Guy Wright tournament fucking, you know, championship books. And the second game, we lose by, I don't know, a thousand. Like I've I've never been down more in a sporting event. But the thing that sticks out, so how old are you in eighth grade? Dude? Fucking 13, you know, 12, 13, somewhere around there. We got our ass kicked so badly that in the fourth quarter, the coach stood up and left. He left us on the bench. And the last two minutes were us just sitting there looking back and forth like, oh, my God, like, I don't think this is what's supposed to happen. Incidentally, terrible leadership by that fucking adult, like, leaving us there. But there's no question that's my worst loss. We didn't only get our ass kicked. We got our ass kicked so badly, our coach quit coaching and left the arena. Like, that was it. (laughs) 
I want to hear Max Seams. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna tell you because it's just so obvious for me. Um, but it's you know, whereas Bram gets to hide under, oh, the team didn't play well, and so it was a tough loss as the coach lost. Like Bram could have had a transcendent game, and the rest of the team did didn't not. show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's thank you. I did, <laughs> I did not in any way, shape, or form. That helps yeah. because uh, here's in fifth grade, uh, I was playing. Uh, I I got signed up for a soccer game, and listen, I don't. I I don't play soccer, right? Like, it's a skill set. It turns out you can't just dribble around with a soccer ball, right? And actually, years later, a, a coworker invited me to come play a pickup soccer game with him. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, played for two minutes, rolled my ankle, and I still have not recovered. And it's been about a decade. Uh, but fifth grade, I was notably worse. And coach was like, yo, we need somebody to play goalie. And so, of course, I'm like, sure. Like, I can do that, whatever. And within legit five minutes, I get scored on. And like, it's, it's humiliating, right? Like it wasn't at the time I didn't understand that, oh, there were defenders in front of me that also could have stopped the ball. It was just like, no, it was me letting my team down. And so what I faked a hand injury. I said, oh, I, I went for it. I hit the crossbar. Like I, I you got to pull me out. You got to put some, I couldn't handle the defeat. You know, I, was oh, like, I didn't have the tools to succeed in that environment. In and your defense, <laughs> NBA players pull that same move all the time. I, how'd you sell it, Maxime? Like, did you, did you hold the hand? Like, oh, like you go over there super upset. Like, how did you convince the coach that you were disabled and there's no way you're fucking getting back out there? There's really, there's only one real option as a fifth grader to truly convince a coach. I just started crying. You cried. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to put that into yeah, the question. I cried. I cried. <laughs> that is incredible. It's equally <laughs> as incredible that, I don't know, it sounds like 12 years later, you told some friend, yeah, I'll go and play pickup soccer with you. And you were fucking terrible. Terrible. Like, idea. You know, yeah. Did that one end in tears as well? Or like, how? No, but I definitely limped off of the soccer field. Yeah, no, it, is. <laughs> it was, a, it was a rough role. I'm not going to lie to you. I, All right, Wes. I have something a little bit similar um, of, uh, what was it? It must've been sixth grade, I think. I think it was sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, early seventh grade. Uh, a buddy of mine wanted to try out for the baseball team. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll do that with you. Uh, I didn't even own a baseball glove. I didn't even have one. You know, I had one from like T-ball when I was a kid. Like it didn't fit anymore, you know? Like I hadn't played baseball in forever. I had no business trying out for the team, but it was open tryout. So he's like, yo, just come with me after school. I was like, for sure. Can you bring a glove? And he's like, yeah, I'll bring a glove. So he brought me an extra glove. And the first drill was to catch a fly ball. So uh, I'm probably like the ninth or 10th kid up. Everybody's like, you know, mixed reviews, but mostly like doing it on their, you know, if not the first try, second, third, fourth try, but they're getting it right. Um, they, the coach hits the ball into center field and I see the ball make contact with the bat and head in my general direction. And I immediately realized I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so it flies way over my head. I'm not even close to the ball. I could not track it. Like it's, it's hard. Like you need to track it and figure out where it's going. And then also be where it is when it is about to hit the ground. But before hopefully, um, and I was just so far off. I was so far off and it was so clear that I had no idea what I was doing. The coach was like, that'll do son. And then, and that didn't not even get a second try. And I just went home and that was it. He gave you the, never played baseball again. Big, 
Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, holy shit, man. You weren't nervous going into it? The first nine people before you were up and you saw they were practicing fly no, balls. You were like, how, oh my God, I don't have this skill set. That's how that's how stupid I was as a sixth grader. I was like, I've watched baseball. I can do this. That's <laughs> like being like, I've seen Tony Hawk. I'll pull off the 360, no problem. <laughs> like, it was, it, it, I was ridiculous. It was stupid. I had a friend in high school, Maxine, bleep that name. Um, but had a, had a friend invited me to a baseball game. Uh, he was playing baseball and like liked him a lot. And he told me he was really good. And the play that sticks out of my mind, he also played center field. Pop fly goes to center field and starts just savagely charging, like running faster than you've ever seen anybody run from center field towards second base. And then when the ball gets there, it's about 800 yards over his head behind <laughs> And she's like, where the fuck were you? Like, what was going on, dude? You know, like, and up until that point, I'm casually mentioning people around me like, oh, yeah, that's my guy. You know, right. And then right. Uh, let's just say I stopped. He and I had a very thing. similar style of playing center field. Let's <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> I think he owned a glove, to be fair to but you know, the, <laughs> but, you know the, the story itself is on the money. MT, welcome. Or you, quick, off the cuff. What's, what's the worst loss you've ever taken in sports? Oof. Um... I think baseball related too. <clears throat> I was born with a cataract in my right eye, so my depth perception this is terrible. But I didn't know that that mattered in baseball. Oh, well, maybe that's what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Was, let's leave off with physical disability. Cut that part, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a cataract too, actually. Yeah, right. holy shit. Sam, can my, you get those in your hand? Or I played with no legs during that guy. <laughs> I didn't forgot to tell you guys that, but it was what yeah. it was. So I called my friend Wes to borrow a glove and then I hit the <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it was just there and you know, it was a, a young America team and it was a bunch of players that were really good. Somehow I'm, I'm on there. I don't know why. And it just comes down to the last inning and, you know, I'm the last batter up and trying to salvage the game and I struck out and they were, it wasn't close. Like it was terrible. So I just always remember that and I never played baseball again. I'll give you guys a baseball story and then we'll go back to Warriors, both of which equipment related. So I like every now and again, I'll get obsessed with something for no reason. And then when I do, I like buying things associated with it. You know, I get really excited. So a while back, I got obsessed with wiffle ball. Uh, I lived in an apartment complex that had enough space and we started playing wiffle ball all the time. So I bought all this shit. I bought balls and bats and all this stuff. And I reached out to a friend of mine who I knew played baseball for a long time. And it was right after I got a new bat and I wanted to go out there and try it with him. And we start playing and he is infinitely better than me. So much better that we play for like two fucking innings. I don't make contact once. I've never hated anybody more. I'm not sure if I ever played with a ball again. It was awful. Similar store. And this gives a necessary credit to Marcus. I did that again with pickleball and bought that. That's a recent uh, obsession. And when I first bought the shit, brought Marcus up to play, forgetting that he played tennis growing up. <laughs> and so similar deal. I'm terrible. Marcus is beating me and he's giving me unnecessary tips like, oh, you're standing in no man's land. I'm like, you could fuck yourself. Dude. I don't even know what that means. I don't need to hear that at all. And so I've, I've since turned it around, but there, there's no shortage of uh, sporting failures in my life, unfortunately enough. Back to Steph, boys. And yet another quote. Um, so we've mentioned this. Steph is making media rounds in a way that he never has. And uh, amongst the what feels like hundreds of appearances, he was on the Today Show, the, the morning show on CBS. And one of the things they ask him on there is about retirement. Um, and so here's that clip. Do you see the end anytime soon? I mean, you're playing at a very high level, but do you start thinking that way at this point? 
you you do start thinking about it. And, uh, the thoughts do creep in of you know what that timeline really looks like. I know it almost puts into perspective how important these next you know two three years are in terms of doubling down on the level that I want to be at and continue to play at and pushing it you know to the limit as, as long as I can. I, I, there's guys like you said, Bron's doing his twenty something year. Yeah. You know what Tom did before he retired was just truly amazing. So. You can learn lessons from you know guys like that that it is possible. Obviously, you have to be mindful of, of how you approach you know your off seasons and the work that you put in on your body to make sure you can stay at that level. And I'm doing all those things to to give myself a chance to be successful. But I, I just love the fact that the timeline almost just gives me much more motivation for the now to take advantage of every opportunity that I had because you know the ball is going to stop bouncing at some point. Uh, I just don't think it's anytime soon. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't few miss follow the ups. Follow up number one. The guy who was interviewed him looked a lot like a Bond villain to me. Like just a kind of a unique face and facial expressions. Um, thought number two. Steph is so effortless in every one of his media appearances. Um, he it always feels like whatever questions coming, he is ready for. That one's kind of a tricky one, you know. And he said a lot without actually saying anything, which yet again is an incredible skill. But it does lead to some follow-up over-unders. And Wes, I'm very interested in your takes here. So the first one is, how many years does Steph have left before he retires? I put the number at 5.5. And for a little bit of context, Steph is 35 years old. LeBron is 38. We just heard he played 20 seasons. So what do you think, man? Um, over or under 5.5 years left for Steph's career? He's played, he's a 2009 draft. How many seasons has he played? Um, would that 14, get him to 20? Would that get him to 20? Yeah, be right about. Yeah. I'll probably go over five and a half. I think he'll hit 40 years old. Uh, I think he's going to try to play 20 seasons. I think if he had his bones about it, he would play 20 seasons in Golden State. The thing about Steph, it's like, I, how much longer does he have at this level? I don't know. I think right about like what he was saying, like three years probably seems about right. But he's going to be an elite shooter regardless. And yep. he, not just an elite shooter, but like, if he was 44 and running around on the court, other teams would still be terrified of him. Like just creating space. He doesn't even have to touch the ball. So as long as like the cardiovascular fitness and all that stuff, as long as he wants to keep that stuff up and keep running around and doing all that stuff, I think long, long answer to your easy question. But five and a half, I'll probably go over. Not that much over, but I'll go over. So I agree. I love it. And I think a lot of it has more to do with his mentality than his body. Here's what I mean. Who he wants to be. He still has all of his father's career if he wants it. If he wants to be Del Curry for three or four years after mm -hmm. he turns 40, he can be. You know, he that skill set, him just being able to hit three-pointers at any point and the defense having to be worried about it, he could probably do till he's like 44, 45. And like not, not making this kind of money, not playing these kind of minutes, not being that dude. But I, I think he could stretch it for a pretty fucking long time. Um, can I just – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But before, no, can ahead. I just point one thing? The 2009 draft, I'm looking at it right now. The guys who are still in the NBA, and there's not a whole lot of them, here are the guys. Blake Griffin, who – is he still in the NBA? Because he played for the Celtics last year. I don't know if he has a job going into next year. I don't year, know if he but, got signed yet. Yeah. He was, you know, break glass in case of emergency for the Celtics, just sort of like a locker room guy last year. Uh, James Harden. DeMar DeRozan, Ricky Rubio, Drew Holiday. The way we, that's it from the 2009 draft. 
the way we talk about everybody on that list is like what's the end we're already talking about like the end stages of there including james harden like yep. he's not the guy he used to be and all these things we don't talk about steph as in like he's not the guy we used to be we're still talking every time people talk about steph it's like i can't believe how good this guy still is at 35 years old to the point where you almost forget he's 35. like i don't think of steph as 35. i think of james harden as old i don't think of steph as necessarily old. i think of demar Derozan as old for sure you know what i mean like i feel like Derozan has been old since he was in san antonio um so and like in Milwaukee, they're already kind of thinking, like, what do we do after Drew Holiday and all these things? Because he's yep. getting up there. It's crazy how you think about those guys in his same draft class versus the way you think about Steph right now. If you had given me those names and asked me who was in the same draft class as Steph, I would have picked maybe one, Drew. That's it. You know, and it's because exactly what you're saying. It does not feel like they have been in the league at the same amount of time. It both feels like Steph's been in it longer because he has more accomplishments and less yeah. time because yeah. it feels like he has more time ahead of him. Um, and so it's a, it's a real weird caveat. Uh, I'll take the over. I'm going to add a question to it and then I'm going to throw it to you, MT. So same question. All right. Over under five and a half years. Uh, will he play longer than that? And then add a second question to it. This number is 0.5 teams. Steph Curry will play for in the NBA before he retires. What's your answer? Um, I'm going <clears throat> under on both. I think he plays four more years. I don't, I don't think it becomes the issue of can he still play? I think it's if he wants to still play. I think the contracts line up with him and Draymond and Clay, and they ride off into the sunset together um, after Draymond's four-year contract is up. That puts Steph at 39. And I think a little bit of why Bob Myers moved on creeps in for Steph too. His daughter will be you know, at that age. His son will be you know, that much older. And I think he'll want to spend time with them in a way that he won't need to prove anything else on the court and he won't need any more money for all of his other side things. So I'm putting that up slightly below five and a half at, at four. And then um, I think he stays a warrior. So I'm going under on 0.5 as well. I want you to know that it's been almost a week and I still don't believe the response you gave to a Donald Foyle that you would be fine with somebody breaking your fucking black record. I thought that was bullshit then, and I continue to think that it is bullshit now. Uh, Wes, take the second question. 0.5 teams over under on how many Steph plays for. I think he'll be on the Warriors. Wes was yeah. I love to hear it. Maxine, I try not to go four people deep on one of these questions, but this one entertains me. That five and a half years, you think Steph will still be in the NBA in six years? I don't know. I'm I'm I don't think I'm quite as convinced in part because of what we saw with his golfing success in this offseason. I mean, dude can do whatever he wants to do. He's clearly going to have it's this is not a conversation about money. Um, you know, I could easily see him just wrapping it up after this last right because you're starting to shift into now we have to get some of these young guys to be playing more Everybody talks about Steve Kerr being the dude that doesn't want to play the young guys a bunch. That's been coming up a lot with the with the FIBA team, right? With all, it's like, who do we do? What do we do about Steve Kerr running this new team? Is he going to actually be comfortable playing all these young dudes? Um, or is he just going to go to his vets in the same way? I think it's as much about Steph and what Steph wants out of his time playing with the Warriors as it is about Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr is following in, you know, Steph's requests. If we're going to be seeing, you know, a people that are on the squad now, the Jonathan Kamingas, the Moses Moody's getting more playtime and Steph maybe being frustrated by the divergent in divergence in the style of play. You know, I think he's pretty liable to just say, 
fuck it. I don't have anything else that I need to do here. This isn't the type of fun that I want to be having. I don't need to prove anything anymore. I'm going to go get really good at golf. Has anyone ever done that? And so Barry Sanders in the NFL, the top, 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 you know, like what the best at his position. And then when he felt like he was declining a little bit out, never came back. Has that ever happened in the NBA? You know, I mean, like, you know, Jordan fucking played for the Wizards. LeBron's still going at 20. Uh, I mean, like all the, the tip top superstars. Can you guys think of anybody the second they started declining where they bounced? No. No. The, and the Maxine brings up like an interesting wrinkle. There's a couple things there, right? Because we don't think of Steph as old, but we do think of Draymond Green as old. We do think of Clay Thompson as old. How many more years do they have? Even if it was a situation where all their contracts did line up and they played four more years, yeah, you're going to play him four more years. But who's that other guy? Who, if if it's Steph and Draymond and Clay, in Draymond and Clay in smaller roles, can Kaminga or Moody or somebody otherwise right. step up and be that other dude? It's not going to be Chris Paul either, right? So, are they able to flip one of these guys? Are they able to find something there? The other thing too, everything that Maxim just said about Steph could be said about Steve Kerr. He doesn't need to do this either. Steve Kerr's got a broadcasting job there waiting for him whenever he wants it, right? Not literally, but he'll get one immediately. Um, how, like, if he's not super psyched about playing the young guys and, and kind of going in that rebuild direction, why would he stick around either? You know? So there could be a situation where everybody just decides to sort of up and leave. And maybe Bob Myers was just the, sort of the first one to do it. Um, I also think it also matters, like, do they win a championship over the next couple of years? It, it depends on the drug we're talking about. Right. Like the thing that keeps them in, is it, is it championship basketball? Then chances of that still being here in five and a half years, certainly in golden state, maybe not, maybe coming is better than we thought, but probably not. You know, is it that level of competition just being in the NBA and having that in your life? Cause I can see that keeping him in for longer. Um, but I think it's an interesting question. I still take the over, but I like your guys points. Uh, here's the, the last one other one. fact. I'm sorry. One other factor in this too, in terms of the other question about how many teams he plays for. Because, like the Jalen Brown contract we just saw, guys are going to get paid a lot of money. People are going to start making a million dollars a game, if not more. And if the Warriors are in a situation where they don't look like they're able to pay Steph that kind of money, knowing that maybe everything's declined around them and they're not really a championship team anymore, uh, when his next contract, when, when this contract is up, does Steph say, Well, I can, I'm Steph Curry. Like, mm -hmm. there will be a team willing to pay me 60 million a year. And, go and the, if the drug is championship basketball and he wants to continue it, the, the path we just laid out puts it at the over at 0.5. When, mm -hmm. when Steph and Clay, or Steph, and, I'm sorry, when Clay and Draymond age out or stop, if Steph wants to continue to change it or to, to chase those titles, it may not be here. Um, right. And I've, I've always also worried about the other end as far as the 0.5, why it might be over is he might want to spend a few years in Charlotte, you know, twilight years, like a year or something with Dell being his announcer. And, you know, he's playing in front of fans who've loved him forever. I uh, don't, you know, question for down the line, last future question for Steph. So this is why I did that research and found out that his highest uh, scoring game in his career is 62, not 59. Wes, you can fuck yourself. It was 62. Over, under, for the uh, most amount of points that Steph will score in a game from here until the end of his career, 62 and a half. You guys take the over or the under? I think I just said before that I, he might take the okay. over, but now that you say it, now I'm sort of like the under, but I'm going to go over. I think he, I, in the next couple of years, man, like these 
Some of these numbers are crazy. He's got to get a 65er in there at some point. I'm going under. I mean, he, he has the skill set to do it, but I just don't. I don't see the need to do it. If he's in a game where he's already at 50 points, then they're probably winning and they're going to shut him down and save him for the playoffs unless unless it's a playoff game and he's just torching them. Um, I think those days of you keep a heater in the game are, are past him at this stage of his career. Is your lack of depth perception also affecting your Warriors optimism? I mean, what's going on over there? Did your glaucoma come back or something? Like this guy coming in with just cloudy-ass takes. Maxime, over or under? You set me up for failure here if I take the under, Bram. This is a bad situation to be in. I'm thinking about um, Kobe's last game when he went for that 60 spot. And if if Steph is going to announce a retirement and have a retirement season, you know, like in the modern NBA, right, that has even evolved to having higher scoring games than when Kobe retired, you got to imagine that Steph is going to have a couple of nights where he just gets to show out. Where sure, in general, yeah, the heater games you pull, you know, those don't exist anymore. But for Steph's retirement season, um, they'll like you'll let him go off a couple of times. Yeah, take thirty three pointers. Why not? Just go out yeah. and just do it. He um, he cares yeah. about his legacy. He's a competitive as shit. Um, and everybody would want to see that. Who would yes. not want to see that? 100%. It wouldn't be. It'd be like, hey, you're stat back. You're, you're stat chasing. It's like, duh. And it's awesome. We're all it'll enjoying be, it. It'll be in like Madison Square Garden. He already talked about right. like his 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 show up spot was when he had the fifty point game in MSG. By the way, that's the team career. I'm watching, not the Hornets. <laughs> the second what team? team? New York. That's where he goes. Next. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think he cares about going back to Charlotte. I don't um, want to talk about Steph playing other places, so yeah. I'm going to put a cap that, on that. Well, can I? I'll I'll not say that anymore then. But, um. You're at three and a half already, by the way. So maybe you, you got the maybe over. You Dallas? got there. I don't know. Maybe the Lakers even. Uh, okay, you piece of shit. Can we cut his mic? <laughs> Maxine, we have that power, right? Like there's a there's a forced mute on this thing. Um, uh, no, I think there is a need for him to score like 65 points though, because if Clay's not Clay anymore, if Draymond's not Draymond anymore, he could be in a game where he has 50 with through three quarters, and the Warriors could still be losing because they're not the same team they were defensively during his peak. There could be a game where it's just and now that Donovan Mitchell is scoring 70 points in a game, you know what I mean? Like the other guy on the other team could be having the same type type of game. I don't know. I I think as like these next couple of years go, there's actually more of a need for Steph to score more. His career high in a season averaging uh three point attempts is twelve point seven. I'm pretty sure I have that right. Um he should be at like fifteen, easy. Steph is one of the go-to definitions of don't judge a book by his cover. You know, you see, we hear about his like religion, you see um, his somewhat gentle demeanor and you can be fooled into thinking he's not a competitive fucking assassin. You know, I don't think it, I think maybe this is me projecting, but when he sees people like Donovan Mitchell put up a 70 spot, I'm sure that registers and I'm sure that he'd like to beat it at some fucking point. Uh, So I think it'll be the over, but let's go to our golden questions, boys. And I am excited for this. All right. So we haven't done the golden questions for a while. Uh, It's our mailbag. Here's our first. And it actually came from Bleacher Report. So I'm sending this. Bram from Oakland sent us this. And it's just a copy of the Bleacher Report tweet. And it's uh, it reads this. What's your most random encounter with an NBA player? 
So Wes, you interact with NBA players in a way that we never do. I have a very embarrassing story when I've teased in the past. It's my Baron Davis story that I'm happy to share. But why don't we start with you, dude? Is, is there, what's the most random time you ran into somebody? Like unplanned. I really don't have anything where I actually interacted with the person. Usually all my interactions with athletes are super planned for work. I don't know that I just ran in like to Never? run into what is this Anthony Simons at a subway? Like that, no, that's I, I feel weird because everybody I know has like oh I ran into so and so at this place. I have no such story. I am never in the same place as athletes are at the same time for whatever reason. Uh, I've seen them like on the streets, but I've never actually like interacted with them. You know what I mean? I sat next to Jonathan Vilma on a plane once. That was it. But there didn't interact with him. So there, that's it. I wish that was my story. I'll give you two, one a little bit faster than the other. Story number one, Daniel Marshall. Uh, and I've told this one in here before, but Wes, quick historical reference. Daniel Marshall basically is who Chris Weber became. Chris Weber comes here. He's traded out for Tom Gugliotta. Gugliotta gets traded out. Daniel Marshall comes in. Daniel was fine. You know, he just wasn't fucking Chris Weber. And so people here were real frustrated with him. And I went to this kind of high-end grocery. It's called the Village Market. And Daniel is standing directly in front of me. Oh, the one in uh, Alameda, right? I uh, get close to it. Yeah. And yeah. there's a guy behind me and the guy behind me screams over my shoulder and says, Danielle, are you here to buy some heart? And I've never felt worse for anybody ever. His shoulders like slumped. It was awful. So there's one. That's not my interaction. Here's my interaction. Right. I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that so loud in front of Danielle. <laughs> yeah. You piece of shit. And I told you, be nice, dude. You know, like we're at this restaurant at this, at this, uh, I just struck out in Little League. I was having a rough <laughs> You kept bumping into shit because you have no fucking death perception and like explaining to everybody, no, it's an eye problem. Um, but okay, we now take ourselves back. I think, what was the year after We Believe? 2008, nine, whatever. It's the off season after We Believe. And so at this time, Baron Davis is the most important person in my life and certainly in Warriors fans' lives in general. And I have to go for work, go to LAX. And the... I get out there. I'm supposed to go to court. My court appearance gets canceled. So I go to LX and then immediately have to turn and, and coming home. So I'm in this weird, pissy mood. And at that time, I'm on Southwest and Southwest was still doing the groups, but you didn't get numbers. You just got group A, group B, group C. And so it's just whenever you lined up, that's when you know, you'd know you go out there. They didn't dictate where you were in the group. So I was group C and I'm sitting there waiting and you know, I'm just waiting to go back home. Group B starts lining up. And purposely, the last person to get in line in Group B is Baron Davis. And he's, he's waited till last because he doesn't want to be noticed. You know, So he's kind of off to the, to the right-hand side. Then in he goes. I see him. I was in Group C. No one's ever been faster in fucking line to a Southwest thing than I was. I was immediately on Group C and think to myself, okay, if there's a seat next to this dude, I'm taking it. So we get on, and Baron is on the window seat. What I imagine was his bodyguard, because this gentleman was gigantic, is on the aisle, and there's a seat between them. But the bodyguard is so enormous that even though there's a seat between them, their shoulders are kind of touching. Like, there's no, there's no space in between. I squeeze my fat ass in between those two, sit down. There's no, I basically was sitting in Baron's lap. Turn over and pretend like I noticed him for the first time. Baron? I say, like, oh, oh my God. And ask him, trying to force conversation, what are you doing on Southwest? Why not go to a flight that has first class? And Baron says, look, uh, every seat on Southwest is first class. And I wasn't sure if he was joking, you know, but just in case I go, ah, ha, ha, like the most awkward, loud laugh. And people around me are shocked, right? We fast forward now and the conversation's gone okay. You know, we're, we're, we're cruising along and I feel so comfortable. 
that I lean over. And at the time they were still teammates and this is topical. Now I asked Baron Davis, why is Mike Dunleavy such a bitch? The, those words directly. <laughs> and shockingly, we were not best friends. He fake sleeps for the rest of the flight. 100% true. He, he puts, his, puts his head against the window like this, fake sleeps, and occasionally would wake up, take a drink of water, and then immediately fake sleep so he didn't have to talk with me. So there's my Baron Davis story. We did not end up being the closest of friends. Baron, if you're listening, you can still call me, buddy. I'm out there. You know, I've come around on Mike D, whatever you need. But that's, that's my uh, unnecessary NBA player interaction story. That's amazing. I love the Southwest plug. I would have asked the same question. Why are you here? <laughs> and why in God's name are you in group B? <laughs> yeah, that was the, like, whoever is in charge of, of planning your shit, they couldn't check in on time, dude, to get you an A. Like, you know, the, there wasn't anything there to help you out. Um, I can still feel the awkwardness. Like, as Dunleavy finished in my mouth, I could feel like, oh, my God, this is not going to go super well. Uh, and it did not. All right. Here is our next quote. Will you miss Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson? So as announcers, boys, they've, they've now been replaced. ESPN is moving on. Doris Burke and uh, Doc Rivers, I believe. So as announcers, will you guys miss them? Um, I'm going to miss Jeff Van Gundy a lot, and that has nothing to do with the fact that they have Doc Rivers and Doris Burke now next to Mike Breen because I think both of, Doc Rivers was very good and will be very good at that job. Doris Burke is obviously very good at her job. Uh, and Mike Breen is maybe the best at his job at this yeah. point, right? So they'll be fine. Uh, but I will miss the fact that the the Breen, I, we're not going to have the Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson show anymore. Like it was basically like listening to a podcast yeah. during those NBA games. Um, I'm going to miss Van Gundy also because he's one of the few broadcasters that actually did their homework and still watched the game and knew who the players were. I don't know that anybody's ever missed Mark Jackson from anything. <laughs> this question is going to be really hard for me to answer because I'm still a little shell-shocked that I used the phrase as Dunleavy finished in my mouth. I don't know if we can somehow stop that or fucking wow. delete that from the previous segment that I had. So we're going to need real skill set there. Uh, will I miss Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson? So... One's a little bit more complicated than the other. I'll miss JVG. I liked him. Um, I liked his neurosis. I liked that Van yep. Gundy talked about the flopping. I liked, I liked the whole shit. I liked their interactions. I will absolutely miss Van Gundy. The complicated one for me is Mark Jackson. And it's weird. I know it's weird for me to say. All right. So before Mark Jackson coached the Warriors and was an announcer, I liked him. I liked his vocal cadence. I liked his little sayings. Like I was on board for it. I, I liked what he added. Then he became coach and the relationship got a little fucking muddled. And then he got really bitter when he was a, a announcer doing for Golden State. But here's the fucking random reality for it. I associate with that bitterness. You know, like let's say, God forbid, my wife and I get divorced the way that Mark Jackson got fucking kicked out of Golden State. And then Erica not only finds a much better husband, the way that the Warriors did with Steve Kerr, but her and that husband do a reality TV show and they make me the announcer. I now have to fucking announce on how well things are going and how great it is. <laughs> and they bought an incredible house. I'm not going to be on there like, oh, this is going so well. I would be saying things the way that Mark Jackson did. Well, I taught her how to love. I taught, you know, like I'm the person who set up the foundation <laughs> of all of it. So like, I get it, dude. I get where he was coming from. I understand the fucking bitterness. And so I think I'm they should go into the low post a little bit more. Yeah, it, it, it really was. 
I, there'd be a Dunleavy joke here too, but I'm just going to keep it in pocket. Uh, but so I, I won't miss Mark Jackson, but I don't want to just dismiss it as like, I hated him. I, I didn't for a while. And then I did, but for reasons that I can associate with, if that makes any sense. It barely does. <laughs> barely. I'll take barely. Uh, Boys, focus your attention on this next one because I got a Judgment Theater and I'm excited for it. All right. So there was a video associated with this, but I, I, we won't play it. I didn't send it to Maxine. But it, basically it was a video of people who had gone to what looked like an expensive dinner. And it looked like it was an expensive dinner for a reason. I don't know if it was a wedding, but like something, someone's birthday, something. And some people during that expensive dinner ordered a whole lot of expensive shit. Other people in that expensive dinner did not. And when the joint came or the joint check came, they fought about it right? What do you do? Do you, do you just split it evenly? Do you calculate exactly what you spent and then only put that amount of money on the table? And so it leads to judgment theater, boys. We are all going to an expensive meal for somebody's birthday, let's say. And we're, you know, we, we knew that there was an event. We are, it's going to be an expensive check, but some of us are ordering hella drinks, you know, and steak. Other people are going? salad and water. Uh, I don't, I don't have the fucking restaurant location. I can't give you that, but that happens. Check comes. What's your move? Do you just pay, you know, do you just split it by four? Do you calculate? I mean, what, how do you handle the scenario? Um, and judge, don't tell, start with me. What do I do? So, well, we need, so, we need to, we need to clarify something really quickly here. And maybe well, West has more. I would not be surprised if West has further clarifications, but I think it's very important to understand whether you're the person that overordered or underordered. Excellent. Um, in this instance, because you're judging me, I've overordered. Oh, well, then you definitely just split it. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Let's say, you know what? Let's make it more fun. You've, you've ordered less. You are the person who has spent less. So, and you, and you, you've noticed it. You've watched the other people do it. You knew as it was coming. You have spent less. They have spent more. What's your? I have spent less. They have spent more. What do I do? All right. So, if you've spent less, you are definitely ready to split it. I think if you have ordered less, I think you're ready to split it because that's that's way less awkwardness. That's just getting ahead of it. Like, hey guys, don't worry. I know I barely ordered, but I'll pay for your half your pasta basically. Like, it's fine. I got you. That's a way easier situation. The over, if you're over and the check comes out, then you have that awkward situation where the bill's in the middle of the table and you could be the guy that puts the check down first. But if you do that, then you're sort of in charge of the proceedings thereafter. Fuck that. Fuck me and that person. You don't want to be that person. But if you've ordered the most at the table too, you probably should be that person. So it's... <laughs> It's, it's a tough situation there. You never want to be first because also there's always a table where the guy, like if you put your card down, some other schmuck at the table could just be like, oh, thanks, man. Like thinking that you're grabbing it and you're like, no, I'm not oh. paying for everybody. And then you have to explain to that person that yeah. that's how things I'm, work I'm in the real world. not that generous. Yeah, yeah. That was not, I'd actually like everyone else to add their credit card as well. <laughs> it's tough. I think you just, um, I think you throw your card on the table and just let somebody else figure it out. MT? Um, I think you immediately call out that everybody else is a grown adult and they should have ordered what they could have paid for. And you stand on principle and you're just like, here's what I paid for. Here's what I ordered. And here's how much I owe. You guys need to figure it out. And you might even bring cash out just to be like, Oh, there's, there's no card that needs to be done. Here's, here's 80 bucks, you know, a hundred dollar bill. You guys figure it out. I'm going to sit here and, 
and start prepping that podcast episode for next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep us to three so we don't go over here. So here's the answer for me. I'm a passive aggressive piece of shit, right? So in that circumstance, if I paid less, will I just split it? Yeah, I will. Um, but I'm now angry about it for the rest of the evening. And in fact, I've probably been angry about it throughout the entire meal. Like if I'm watching that person order the second drink or get the filet mignon or whatever it is, I'm like, you selfish mother, but I don't say it. You know, I just keep it in pocket and then kind of buy my pious nature. Like after I put the money down, I now feel like superior because I was willing to go through it. Um, but the other way I've dealt with it now, because I've gotten burned that way a couple of times. Now I make sure I'm not the cheap guy. I'm fucking around ordering expensive drinks. Like this is going to be split anyways. Let's make sure we're going big. Uh, I, I've got a credit card roulette follow-up, but I'll keep that in pocket to keep the, uh, the judgment theater going. Let's go to Wes. Um, so Wes is in that scenario. He has spent less than everybody else. He gets the check. What's the guess? I think Wes is like me. I think he pays it. I don't think he says anything. I think he's less obvious with how bitter he is about it. But I think internally he is pissy. He gets home. He talks to his wife, Jules, like, oh, you won't believe these pieces of shit. Like they, uh, this, that fool Bram ordered like three steaks for no reason. And now I had to pay for it. Yeah, I agree. I think he handles it the same with you. And I think he also finds sly and slick ways to drop it, like remind you about it in these instances, like on a podcast and be like, oh yeah, kind of like how you ordered all that filet mignon and those expensive yeah. drinks at dinner. You still hungry? You still hungry, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 so like that makes a lot of sense, but I feel like Wes is like so smart and conniving that the check might come out and then he might be like, Oh, actually, you know what? We'd, we'd actually just discuss, we're going to order a round of desserts and basically convince everybody else to order a dessert, but then he doesn't order a dessert. So that's like to like force it back even, you know, just like some next level gamesmanship that's happening to rebalance the scores without having to go through that awkwardness. Marcus, did you love the inclusion of the word conniving next to smart there? Because I really did. It felt like it was going to be a compliment and then it all, was not a compliment. All I heard was smart. All I heard was smart. <laughs> That's weird because all I heard was conniving. So together we heard the full sentence. Uh, so here's the move at the, the table when it's a dinner and it's expensive and you don't really know how it's going to go. You ask the table if everybody wants to share a bottle of wine. And then obviously everybody says yes because wine's great. And then you get, and that kind of sets the standard. It's like, yeah, we're splitting everything here. All right. And everybody kind of drank from the same bottle. It costs us the same thing for everybody. Nobody's out here with like the smoked old fashioned with bacon fat. You know what I mean? Like that costs like $24 or something. Like it's, it, you're there. So that's usually my move at the table is I will ask and order the bottle of wine. And I feel like that sets the stage. And the real answer is I split the check every single time. I don't care how much it is. I don't even look at it. However many people. If I'm out with friends, I know it's going to come back to me at some point. I don't really care about the difference. I really, and I'm not bitter at all. I really don't care. I just, I love going out to dinner though. I love going out to dinner with friends and that's it. Mental note, order multiple entrees when Go out to it. dinner with Wes, where you are going. Go fashion for the table. <laughs> yeah, let's go for the table next to us. I mean, let's be a If they're into a little celebration action on Wes, I'll say, uh, to keep us in the landing zone here. Cause I know we got to get out of here and have a hard stop. Um, give us quick answers without our guesses. MT Maxime, what do you guys do? I, I'm just like Wes. I always split. I, I love going out with friends. I don't. I don't particularly care. But I have been really uncomfortable when I realized I've brought friends that like aren't as into the restaurant lifestyle as I am. And it's not until the check that it becomes clear to me because at this point I'm like three or four glasses in, 
that like, oh, they actually weren't expecting to spend this much money on it. And it's like, I'm all about the inclusivity, but they're more about right. the like not having to pay a bunch. And I still can remember specific instances that I carry with me over a decade later. <laughs> all yeah. right. I do have a quick guess. Marcus is going to say he would like to just split it but he pays his certain amount only because he has wrist problems and he can't actually pass over the credit card. It's just a physical disability. It is what Sorry. it is. <laughs> Bingo. You got it. Um, no, it just depends on, on who the company is to Wes and Maxine's point. If I'm with friends, then I split it. And I don't think twice about it. I just drop my card. If it's like a birthday party and I'm there with, you know, like with my wife and I don't know the person and all that goes down like in that video i'm sitting in that booth with my portion of it until it all gets sorted out <laughs> i can wait it out i can i can guarantee you that i have as much patience as needed before that restaurant closes like I'm not, yeah, yeah. i've had friends who've handed me the exact amount like pre-tax you know it's like 37.52 suddenly they have two pennies and they're giving me the exact amount uh which is what it is all right here's the uh Roulette. So credit card roulette. Has anyone ever suggested that with you guys? Credit card roulette is when everybody puts their credit card into the bill and then you ask the server to reach in and only take one. And that so that one person gets tattooed with the entire bill. But, you know, you got a one in six chance you, you or a five and six chance in skating. Have you guys ever done that? Have anyone ever suggested to you to try credit card roulette or ever been in a scenario where it went down? That's insane. Yeah, no. <laughs> but isn't that no. like a, amongst fancy circles, it flips and you actually okay. want your card to be flipped? So that's the only fucking time that I was, I was with a group of people in a work setting where they were all in a tax bracket. I was not, you know, because that's what that screams. It's like, who cares? You know, it's throwaway money. And I spent the entire night pretending that like, oh yeah, like I would like to buy a Maserati, like whatever, you know, whatever it is rich people say. And the, I finally <laughs> had it. to put my... You got that right. <laughs> I, I love caviar i said uh but at the end i my bullshit was all called because they're like who are you? like oh we're all gonna play russian roulette or fucking credit card roulette and everyone's like yeah yeah yeah. and then it came to me i was like fuck no like i can't afford this like zero percent absolutely not and that's the last time i went out with those people so it was anyway wes i look forward to this one for I don't know, however long you said yes for. Uh, I've looked forward to this one since the last time we had you on. It was not uh, a shortcoming in any way. I genuinely fucking loved it. I know it is not just me. For people who need way more Goldberg in their life, where do they go? Would you say I was your favorite? or By far. I, I mean, I would say, I don't, I don't like to say this, and this might be the first time I've ever said it. You are my favorite guest on this podcast. It's, it just it means a lot. Oh, he really doesn't it. hand those out lightly. Yeah, it's nice. To nobody. It's the first time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You can find me on the things that I'm usually on. <laughs> that's, that's the things that I'm usually on dot com, right? Like that. Yeah, you can want to go to those things right now. Yeah. What was that thing you said about Mike Dunleavy? That that website. You shut up. That didn't happen. I told you we were fucking deleting that. I, I you weren't here for three or four episodes ago where I was trying to say let's stretch our legs and have some fun, and instead said let's spread our legs and have some fun. <laughs> Which I've had that texted to me a few times now. It's uh, it wasn't my best of work. Uh, oh, wait till you get the text for the Mike Dunleavy finishing in your mouth texts. That is really, I don't know where I was going with that, um, but it didn't get there. Let's put it that way. And uh, what a perfect place to leave it. We appreciate you guys. Go Warriors. Hopefully we see you next week. 
Good, good.